Liverpool were dismantled by Man City. United fall out of third spot, forfeiting that to Newcastle. Graham Potter, Brendan Rodgers, Patrick Vieira have all been sacked. We are going to talk about all of that and more on today's installment of the Knobcast. And let me tell you right now, when it comes to the Graham Potter session, session? Section? I'm getting, I'm so angry and irate, I kind of speak. When it gets to the Graham Potter section, uh, I'm going to be very passionate about it. Uh, because if you've been following me for any amount of time, then you know that I'm a big Graham Potter fan. Um, I'm also joined by my podcast co-host, Gasky, who's in the dark today. Hello. Yes, um, sadly, the ring light has decided to give up hope, like a lot of them United players did against Newcastle. Ooh, that's but, a good segue. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes, um, it's, a bit, it's a bit dark today, but hopefully by next week we'll, be, we'll have it resolved. Wonderful stuff. It's, it's a dark screen and a dark day for Liverpool, United and Graham Potter and Nobbins, because I do like Graham Potter. But let's start on a happy note for Nobbins, because, and, may, and a funny note for Gasky, I guess, because Liverpool got absolutely trounced by Manchester City 4-1 in uh, the Premier League in what was a must-win game and potentially a tricky game on paper. Uh, but Gasky, I don't even think this was maybe a, an issue of, you know, Liverpool were bad. I thought Liverpool were sort of all right, but City were just on it, weren't they? Yeah, they were, you know, when Liverpool took the lead, you thought, oh, here we go. You know, they've been so hit and miss Liverpool this season, but the two games against City where they'll just be perfect for them. And then after that, obviously, Equalise went in. And then they were just, they were, you know, City just couldn't stop them. When when they're playing that way and they can stretch you, and then when you've got Trent at right back who decides to press in centre forward, I think I saw at one point, you know, target. And really, mm-hmm. his best game, I think, for City in that game. Obviously, mm-hmm. I know you've got the handicap of Trent being the player you're running at, but he was immense. And City were immense. Liverpool were probably par, to be fair, par in terms of how they played. But you got to step, up, step it up against City. So, and they didn't, and they got trounced, pretty much. So Yeah, I think I've seen that clip of uh, Trent that you're talking about. I think it's like in the 85th minute or 90th minute, and he's just like running around like a headless chicken, trying to like press... Mm. Uh, like like City's on keeper and defenders. You yeah. can't press on your own. <laughs> exactly. It doesn't work and, like and, they, and he puts his hands up like, oh, who's helping me? And even like the original tweet was something like, oh, no one's helping him. Like, look, he's trying really hard. It's like, yeah. that's what like, a, that's how children play football where yeah. they just run it's, after the ball. It, honestly, that's, it really irritates me, right? Because no, not a single person, when anyone, you know, says how bad Trent is, no one has ever commented on his attacking side because his attacking side is fantastic. You know, his pass for the first goal, for Liverpool's goal was great. But that should be his secondary role. He's a fullback. You know, his primary should be to be able to defend. And then going forward, perfect. You know, if you can do both, then you become one of the best fullbacks in the world. But if you can't do the defensive part, then there's no point. Change, change position. Mm-hmm. Simple as that. Change position. Or change up or switch up and get out of here, basically. If you can't yeah. hack it, leave. Uh, essentially. Yes, uh, we will talk about Grealish because uh, he was fantastic. What a surprise. Yeah. Um, Jack Grealish with another really good performance. But there were good performances all around for City. Yeah. I thought um, John Stones in the right-back inverted central midfield role looks like he's can been... We, uh, oh. Can we agree as well, sorry, no, that no. John Stones is probably the most underrated defender in the league because no one ever, no one ever talks about him. Mm. He gets on with his job, but he doesn't very, very rarely makes an error. And no one ever, you know, when you're talking about the centre-backs, you're talking about 
other players and big names, but he's the one that no one seems to talk about. And that you know you're doing a good job if no one has anything bad to say. Yeah, he, he's, he, he, does, he does just quietly get on with his business, yeah. doesn't he? And it's like the exact opposite of what it was when he first came to City. You know, this search, I don't know how old he was, but it was like, you know, 20 or 21 or something from Everton. And he was very scrawny and he just had constant mistakes in him all the time. His first season yeah. did not go well. Um, and we spent a lot of money on him. I think it was like 45 or 50 million, but it was a lot of money for a defender, especially, you know, five or six years ago, whenever yeah. it was. Um, but then basically thereafter, there have been some bumps along the way, but, you know, for basically for the past like sort of two or three years, he has been genuinely excellent um for england as well and yeah. now not not only has he improved basically all facets of his game but now he can play as an inverted fullback like he, he's going forward it's yeah it's, he's following in the footsteps yeah. of you know kimmich and Lam and all these traditional yeah. fullbacks playing in central midfield and he's a center half who's who just stepped up into it flawlessly yeah. and like his touches uh on saturday it was like a you wouldn't you wouldn't think that he's a center half playing in midfield do you think yeah. it's just a these midfielder? see these these are the things that you've got to identify when when people you know when people always argue on who's the best manager in history and stuff no one will ever say pep because he's got the money and he just buys the players he's bought a player from everton for 50 million okay a lot of money but look what he's turned him into that's all pep that's no one else he's made him into this player and these are the type of players that he's finding and making into world-class players look at the way alvarez is going who's even heard of him Really, mm -hmm. before he gets City, and you know, and this is this is on the manager, no one else really. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, really good point. I want to talk about Alvarez just after we talk about Stones. Um, uh, he's a, he's a very good looking man, lovely hair. Um, I was going to say something, and I got oh, and then I got distracted by his hair. <laughs> well, we just talk about that. He he's inverted. Oh, that 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 that's what I was going to say. The fact that Guardiola, when he came to City, is, is one of his first signings. He signed Gundogan and then John Stones, I think. So it's certainly his first defensive signing in his first season in the Premier League. And it does go to show that you know basically Pep would have had he could have signed basically whoever he wanted in the world, and he opts to sign some random kid from Everton uh, who's had like you know like yeah. one or two good seasons. I think it just goes to show that clearly. They identified early on that he was going to be a Guardiola-like yeah. defender. It's as if it's as if um, someone who manages in the Premier League knows better than Twitter, you know, and social weird. media and football fans, don't they? Bit, a bit weird, that, isn't it? How he knows what he wants more than more mm. than um, username five four seven nine on Twitter. Always oh, so... called you out, even name checked you. <laughs> I even name checked whoever you, you username are. Five four seven nine with your egg profile <laughs> picture. <laughs> yes, the egg profile pictures as well. <laughs> Oh, the anime ones. They're just as bad. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Or, or you know, something like like the pit picture or, or a footballer. footballer. Yeah, or yeah. A footballer one as name well. Name a footballer yeah, season. Like, name a footballer SZN or something like, like, like that. Oh, yes. Oh. <laughs> but yeah, John Stones was genuinely fantastic. Um, he was... Uh, there, was like, there was like a really good clip that City shared. I think it was of the second... Uh, or, or no, no, it was the third goal, actually, where he was just, like really involved in the build-up to it from central midfield, and it was fantastic. You normally see Rico Lewis doing that, but the fact that Stones can do it as well, just another bit, bit to his bow that he's just been able to add this season, which has been fantastic. Um, you said Alvarez. Here's a question, Gasky. Um, how many clubs in the Premier League does Alvarez not start for? Oh, because I feel uh, I, now, right, right now, right now, I can't. I honestly can't 
There's not none too of many. I, I think that. Can't, honestly, I can't think of. You'd maybe. Not, I don't think any because the only one. I, to be fair, the only one I think I'd argue. Spurs. Is, oh yeah, Spurs, and the only one that you'd maybe argue is Arsenal with Jesus. But then that's one that you could say either or. Mm. Really. I think that I'm the just... only one. That, the only one that you outright he wouldn't start would be Spurs for Kane. So. Yeah, I've just got the league table. Just, just having a look. Uh, but I can only base it off this season because I've only seen our. I didn't, you know, I didn't yeah. watch River Plate uh, yeah. last last year, to be honest. Uh, so just based on this season, I think he would start for Arsenal because, again, based Jesus has been injured oh, yeah. for a lot of this season. Yeah. Um, Newcastle, I, th- I think, I think he's probably been better than 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 Isaac, who's had his own injury issues, and Wilson, United, you know, their course enough. That's all they need. <laughs> exactly, yeah, yeah. Um, Spurs, Kane, no. Brighton, he would. I think Brentford, he probably wouldn't because Ivan Tony's pretty darn good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Liverpool, uh, he's had a better season than Darwin Nunez. I don't want to hear it. Yes, facts. Yeah, facts. There we Gasky said it, so it must be true. Um, Villa, again, he's, he's starting over uh, Ings. Mitrovic, well, he's, he's always suspended, isn't he? So... <laughs> Well, free game ban for pushing the ref, okay. Yeah, and, <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, there's, there's not too many. I'm just having a look at the rest of them, I you think. Know, in, was... in terms of, though, outright no, he's only Tottenham. There's no yeah, one else, really. You could make, a, de- you could no. make a debate it, yeah, for basically... Yeah. And, as and City as well, to be fair. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, he's it's, it's, it's so good, and he was really that, good in that game. Yeah, well, that's, that's why City will always be at the top, because... When your sub striker starts for seventeen other teams, you know you've done it right. You when you don't know when, when the other team don't know what who's going to play, makes an issue. And mm. the problem you've got is like, well, obviously we'll get on to the United game next. But when one player doesn't play, it's amazing how much the team just flops or folds based on one player. Mm-hmm. So, and he's so versatile as well. Like he can play yeah. striker, but he can play in either wing. He can play just behind mm-hmm. the striker as well. Uh, it's a fantastic uh, player to have, never mind as a a, a backup choice. Uh, it's, it's actually a bit mad that City have two of the best strikers in the league and they only play with one striker. Uh, maybe the 4-4-2 out of possession should make a comeback so they can play mm-hmm. both of them in the same team up top. Uh, yeah, and, and what else happened in that game? Yeah, I just don't think that Liverpool could really handle City's pressing. Uh, it's been a, an issue with them all season, Liverpool really. Um I did think for the second goal, look, uh, Alisson gets a lot of praise, which is fair enough. I don't, maybe I'm being harsh, Gassi. For the second goal, you know that really good switch by Alvarez into um, yeah. uh, Mares's path? It's someone's path, I don't know. Um, I, yeah, I, I can't remember who, who it is. Do you not think that Alisson would, should have come out and claimed that? Because I'm thinking well, if, if Edison is there, he's charging out yeah. and claiming that. Oh, yeah, definitely. That's that's what makes a good keeper is you command your box. Like, keepers get a lot of protection. So risk it. Come and come and get it. And if someone touches you, if you come jumping out for a ball, you're getting a free kick. Simple as that. So you might as well come and grab it. But but then if you're... And also, if your defenders... So, you know, when you're, when you're in sync with each other and you know your keeper's coming, maybe that's why... Maybe the defenders kind of just thought the keeper's coming and he didn't. Mm. Well, there that's was a hesitation. Well, I think it, so. it was... A, I think Robertson was, you know, making a gesture as if to say, like, you know, come on come and claim yeah, it. I, it i think yeah. he was thinking that uh, when the ball came in from alvarez i was like oh hey, allison's about to sweep uh, you know off camera and then come yeah. into it and it just didn't come i was like oh well, there's a chance it could, maybe yeah. it's just because i'm so used to seeing edison coming out rightly yeah. or wrongly he does get it wrong sometimes but he's always out um yeah so uh, yeah that, that was a really weird uh, thing there um 
And yeah, and Jack Grealish was man of the match. He was absolutely fantastic. Isn't it, isn't it weird, Gasky? If you give a player a season to adapt to a totally new team and, and structure game and game time yeah. and patience, it's almost as if that you'll see an improved player in their exactly. second season. But this, this is, but this is always this is the argument with every team. You know, when a player comes in and everyone's like, "Oh, he's rubbish, he's garbage," allow them. Mm-hmm. Allow them. Make sure they're game game time. Not coming off the bench for a season because that's like, well, anyone can come off the bench and it doesn't make a difference. You come off the bench when you two 0 up. It's like, well, the rest of your team aren't going to try as hard, so you're not going to be able to do your best. So you know, he's had like really had loads of game time this season, and look, look how good he is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. absolutely. And uh, Holland was absent, but Alvarez ain't a bad. Back up, and yeah, uh, I thought City just absolutely dismantled them, to be honest. Liverpool weren't terrible. They did make some individual mistakes, like I think of um, the the one where De Bruyne just nudged in ahead of Robertson. Robertson dived in, probably shouldn't have done. And then I think Mares just charged at Van Dijk. He yeah. again tried to use his aura to defend. Um, it's not 2019 yeah. anymore. Just, they're just Liverpool this season just play very mid-table. Like, like a mid-table team does where... They'll, they'll, you go, oh, they've played all right, but all right's not good enough. All right is mid-table. And they, they are where all right is, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. and, that's and, it. and just um, goes to show how how quickly things can change in football. You know, this time, like, you know, three weeks ago, I think I was basically saying, yeah, Liverpool, top four, yeah, they, guarantee. Yeah, they, they, they absolutely battered United, and then that's the first goal they've scored since. So, you know, it shows, you know, one game doesn't matter, and then... Mm-hmm. Simple as that, and it can all crumble afterwards. So yeah, and who knows? Maybe they'll maybe they'll beat Arsenal um, and, and Chelsea next week, and, and maybe you know uh, string yeah, some results together. Funny, but... They could easily go and win six points in the next six for the next two games, and then boom. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, you never know. So but yeah, City four, Liverpool one. Really good uh, game to watch as a City fan, obviously, and a must-win game given the context of Arsenal um, being uh, f- assuming City win their game in hand, five points. Uh, ahead in the league title i think city basically have to be perfect and hope arsenal slip yeah. up like you know is it nine nine once. left is it 27 points to play for yes i think so and think arsenal so. do have some tricky games they've got to go away to newcastle and they've got obviously got to play at anfield you know you know whatever you want to say about liverpool they rarely lose at anfield so, yeah so you would say i'm there these they've got three tough games left because they've got city Liverpool mm-hmm. away newcastle yeah. away and uh, I, know, I, know, I know City have to play them as well, but they'll have a new, a different manager, Chelsea. So maybe the players will actually decide to finish their yeah, chances. It's, uh, it's very, yeah, very interesting. Anything could happen. But I'll tell you what didn't happen, Gaskin. What hasn't happened since February? United cannot score a goal in the league. The last oh, time, uh, no, generally, I think. When was the last time they scored in the league? Wasn't it Leicester? Oh yeah, it was it was an international break though. Yeah, <laughs> but, three still, games. but still, still <laughs> three matches. <laughs> oh, hey, that's three matches without a goal. So that, that that's this one. <laughs> okay, whatever. Go that's, on. the, that's Liverpool, <laughs> and it's uh, Southampton, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So, um, what happened in this game, Gasky, from your perspective was, as a United sure. fan? They were, they were they were just horrendous. Like they couldn't string a pass together. The Newcastle, Newcastle literally just demolished them. Like they just had all the possession. Fans were behind them. And there was just nothing there. Like, it was just, they got the ball. Oh, go, go break, make a chance. Given away. Given away. Every time. It was on, on it was the worst they played this season, by far. It was horrendous. And, and that's a pretty bold statement because no, they've obviously it, got beaten 7 0 by Liverpool. Yeah, but then that Liverpool game was the worst 45 minutes. This was 90. Like, United mm. against Liverpool, 
first half, you wouldn't say it was a 7-0 game. Yeah. This game, for 90 minutes, they were a shambles. And the fact that Martial came on for half an hour and he was arguably the best player on the pitch for United is concerning. Mm. Like he's the only he's the only player that seems to attacking player that seems to have technical ability to be able to like there was one point when he picked the ball up in his own box and he's gone around a player and he's passing and moving with the team and they're on a chance and that came from him in his own box mm. and the, and you know and it, he's a like we'll always say, I'll always say this to Martial he's a great he, he could have been an absolutely amazing player but injuries let him down yeah. and you know and that's one example as well maybe bit of attitude oh, like, yeah problems. yeah exactly yeah. Um, and yes, and then I'll come back to what I was saying before about, you know, you take out, you sign a player like Casemiro and you take him out of the team, the midfield don't have a clue what to do. You haven't got a player that could do, again, it's just like last season, a player that can do that job on his own, that job of sitting in front of the back four and protecting it and then linking. And when McTominay is doing that job, you're going to have someone else going to have to sit deeper and then your whole team ends up deeper and you've got nothing to go off. Yeah. So, and but then... Well, instead of I'm not one that's just going to throw panic stations because we've said I said this for the last seven eight years. It takes years and years to to make to make a team with the same manager with the same idea. Chopping and changing managers won't do anything, you know, because he's just going to be stuck with players he doesn't want. And I think I said a couple of weeks ago. The example is City can players come through the youth. It already because because you've had the same manager for so many years you know who he wants and who's good enough to play. If hmm. not, they're sold. And you make, like, you know, you got like 30-odd million from Southampton for signing a couple of City kids. You're getting money. United, however, you know, you're signing players, next manager doesn't get any money, but Tomine ends up playing 150 games, who's not good enough to play for United. Alanga's not good enough to play for United, but they play so many games because a manager will come in, get, a, you know, get his money in the summer, He's then stuck with half his squad being from past couple of managers, gets nothing in January. Okay, uh, then you get the next season, you get a little bit of money there, and then you're sacked. And then you're stuck with just this mess. This is a squad of other managers. And th- this is where it just needs patience with. They've won a trophy. Cool. Finish top four. That's the target. Getting Champions League attracts more players and just keep, keep getting players out and players in. That's just what you're going to have to do. But... What the example is, January, you've signed two players on loan. It's mm. not, you know, Ten Hag wants a, a striker that can press from the front. Clearly, he's not been given the money. He's had to get Billy Vegost. It's yeah. his only option. Like, he's not been given anything. And then Sabitzer on loans is his only other option to replace Ericsson because he got injured. Do you know? And, he's, and this is the problem. The fact that a player's got injured and he's had to go to the transfer market on deadline day and get a loan is evidence that the squad needs sorting out. Yeah. And it, and it, needs, it needs years. It needs years of it. So... Is if they can constantly get top four and win trophies and stuff in this very competitive league, and allow allow him to get rid of players and bring players in and change what he wants to change, then the United will have you know they'll be competitive and they'll be near the top. But if let's say they finish they don't let's say they finish top four and they've won the Carabao Cup and then the summer's like right no you've got you've done enough no more, then it's just going to be it's just going the same thing's going to happen again. It, but hopefully, you know, new owners and stuff come in, fingers crossed, yeah. and them owners just let him do his thing. That's what you've got to hope for and not expect success because you've spent X amount of money. It's modern day football. There's going to be stupid amounts of money in it. doesn't make a difference, so that's what it's going to take. But then don't take anything away from Newcastle because Newcastle were fa- absolutely fantastic. Oh, yeah, you know, of that, That's a team that deserves Champions League football. Based on the rest of the, se- rest of the teams, they deserve top four. 
Yeah, it was it was the exact opposite of like the performance in the League Cup final where Newcastle were like toothless. Yeah, because because the, the League Cup final was it was similar from the start where the the fans were behind them, they were going for it. United shut them up. They got a goal, they shut them up, and then the the, the Newcastle just couldn't carry on. You know, it, it was gone. They didn't do that at St James's Park. The fans were the fans were you know behind them for ninety minutes, and there were no point. United were like, let's shut this crowd up. You know, let's get them out of the game, and that was the problem. If you never know, if they, if they if they created more and maybe nicked a goal, it definitely would have been a different ball game because the fans would have been quieted down. The heads might have gone down for Newcastle players. You don't know, but yeah, I think yeah, it's, very annoying game. It's um, it was obvious in this game, and it's been obvious basically all season when Casemiro is not in the team, and even when he is, yeah. that United have a big problem with the first phase of play, i.e build-up play yes. and moving the ball from the goalkeeper and the defence to the midfield to give it to the dangerous players. Um, that's obvious. And that, that's exemplified when Casemiro doesn't play because he is capable of doing that. So obviously yeah. a, a, an understudy... Casemiro moves. You know, he, you'll notice when, when they're doing that build-up from the back, which is modern-day football, the, he'll go looking for it, like give it me and then you get up pitch. But so many heights... He, yes. he doesn't. He doesn't go. I'm going to come and get it from you. He's like, okay, you go and do your thing, and that's the problem. Luke Shaw will end up with the ball, and he's looking around like, what do I do with this now? And he ends up just smacking it up and giving it back because that player isn't there for him to, you know, move, play the ball with. And but this is his example. It's like you've got a mass. There's a massive hole there from last season. They filled the hole in, but then as soon as you remove that hole again, the hole's still there. Just because you put something in it, you know, you've still you've got to put the stuff underneath that hole just in case you know you're taking out whatever's in there. And that's what they're lacking, and, it, and it's it's needed. But again, you can't you can't do it overnight. You know, you've yeah. signed him, perfect. Now you need to someone needs to be his understudy. Definitely. Same with every every position needs an understudy, and that's the one position they've needed for years, and they haven't got one. So that's what that's what needs to come next. Yeah, absolutely. And it, you're right; it is a long term thing. I'm going to ask you a question, and I'm going to ask a follow up question. Is it fair to say that Ten Hag is the main man in terms of? okaying signings and bringing in players i would based on based on what's been signed i would say so yeah yeah because you know the likes of anthony like all, all these new I, dutch yeah. league players i was i would say so it's the players he wants yeah, yeah. so with that in mind maybe not, maybe not first choice mm. but i would say they're on his list they're not it's not united signing them like like my well, we'll come to chelsea but for my argument is it's not it's not they weren't part of signings for chelsea mm. whereas i think they are his signings to yeah so yeah so to totally agree um yeah. So with that in mind, with the idea that Ten Hag is the one who's okaying, you know, signings and players, etc. Why, oh why, are Man United in talks with David De Gea to extend his contract? Because we've established that there is a big issue with United in terms of build-up play. And a part of that, he's not, he's not solely to blame, but part of that issue is the fact that De Gea is not a modern keeper and cannot play out from the back to a sufficient degree. Um, yeah. And even when he gets the passes right, he doesn't even seem to realize why he's making the pass because he doesn't have that sort of brain. Um, so if that, so, we, we know he's an issue. So surely if Ten Hag's in charge, he should be doing what Pep did with Joe Hart and going, right, good shot stopper, whatever, but I, I don't, you know, good servant to the club, but we need to move on. So why do you think Ten Hag is, oh, and United, and we assume therefore Ten Hag, are looking to extend his contract because he's not going to extend a contract to be an yeah. understudy, is he? No, it, it's a good question because I don't know. 
because it is they do need a keeper for the future. It's like other positions, you know, you need to have that player ready to come in, and they haven't got it. There's a lot of, you know, there's so many other positions that needed to be sorted and they're getting sorted. The goalkeeper needs to be there. There needs to be an idea of it. They haven't got a sub-goalkeeper at the moment, really. They're getting loans in to cover the pre-position. So they're going to have to sign one. They can't, they can't just keep... If you, if you ignore the fact that they can't play whatever way they want to play, there's no sub. You know, the, sub, the sub's Tom Eaton, right? Mm. Who barely plays anyway. Day plays every match. So... Every other team has a subkeeper. You play in the Carabao Cup, you play your subkeeper. That's what nine times out of ten the teams do. Yeah. The fact he's playing every match is a thought of like, why? Why? Mm. You know he can't play his way. So there must be an there must be an idea there to get a subkeeper. Is his idea get keep De Gea and get another keeper in, and then we can kind of try and do what they tried to do with Henderson in terms of you know mold one in because maybe you need to, but. You know, per- me personally, right, as much as I love De Gea, you know, for what he's done for the team and how long he's been here and whatnot, mm-hmm. you just got to pull the plug. You just got to be like, just, I agree. just take, bin him off, bring someone else in, and then you might, you might get a keeper who's a pile of crap and then you've got to do it again. It's, you just got to take the risk. No, yeah, look I at, totally agree. Look at, look at Liverpool, where they've come out of nowhere. They spent 70 million on some Brazilian no one's heard of. And look at him, he's one of the best in the world. Yeah. Arsenal did it with Ramsdale, City did it with Edison. Yeah, you've got Liverpool to take, you've got to bite the bullet. You've got to bite the bullet. And, but what, what's more interesting is if they're selling the club, why, what's called, why are they trying to negotiate with certain players? Mm. I don't know. So it's, I, I don't understand how it all, all works in the background, but it, it all just, it's all weird. So Yeah, definitely. And, and then just as the last point I want to uh, ask you on that with the build-up thing. Am I being harsh or is it, is it a reasonable thing to say that Varane... Whilst he's a good defender, he's not good in terms of build-up play. Oh, under, and... No, under under pressure, that's not his job. When it this is, but again, this is where if you had a keeper who was capable, it, it would that you wouldn't need that problem. You wouldn't have that problem. Martinez can do it. Martinez is fantastic. He's his job to do it. Hmm. He's you know, he can pick the ball up and he can ping it left and right. Yeah. Whereas, you know, Varane can't do that, and you can tell when it goes that when it goes to the right side, it's a bit of a struggle. When it goes to the left, it's absolutely fine. But that's where, you know, maybe a keeper, you know, a change of keeper can help that. You don't have to have the ball that much. That was Newcastle to Manchester United. Nil. Newcastle challenging for the top four. Now, could they be in the Champions League spots? Uh, United falling down to fourth place. Still a relatively comfortable cushion uh, above Spurs, but still... um, it uh, it is uh, it is all to play for, and anything could happen. And speaking of things that have happened, many managers have been sacked since last we spoke, my lovely listeners. Uh, Brendan Rodgers and Patrick Vieira and Graham Potter are all gone. They have all been binned off. Um, Rodgers and Vieira sort of understand it a bit more. Leicester and Palace, they've been the job for a while, and they are in a relegation fight uh, this season. Uh, so it sort of makes sense to move them on, given their terrible form for both sides. But Gasky, Graham Potter has been sacked, and I'm very passionate about this subject, and I'm very angry and annoyed and disappointed um, in, in, <laughs> in the sacking. So I'm very passionate about this, but I want to hear your thoughts on this first before I go off on a tirade. <laughs> yeah, so it's a, really, it's a really odd one for me because, you know, £600 million spent, and we can, I think we can agree, not his players, because half of them players, not you know, 
are you going to tell me that Graham Potter has come in with this list and these are the players that he wanted to sign just before, obviously, whatever he's got left for that transfer window? Mm-hmm. Um, and not, it's, it's all about time. You know, we've seen it with other teams that have not given managers time and they just end up in a constant yo-yo of up and down. And it's, it's I just don't get it. Like, you know, yes, they should be better than 11 for wherever they are. But to to throw all these players about and then just sack your manager makes no sense. You know, you've got you've you know you've signed players from no one's ever heard of. You know, you've nicked one from Arsenal, arguably, and you've you've constantly backed him, and then you've just decided now enough's enough halfway through a season that you need you know you need that final push and ten games left, and you've decided with ten games left we need someone else now. What are you expecting with the last ten games? I, I just don't get it. Yeah, and j- just touching on that point you made about, you know, are, are these his players? Ob- yeah, you're absolutely right. Obviously, they are clearly not uh, his players. Uh, is Graham Potter really going to walk into um, Chelsea, previously managing Oostersons and Brighton, and immediately going, oh, yeah, that, that random uh, Ukrainian guy who's been playing pretty decently for Shakhtar in the Champions League this season? Yeah, get me him. But no, 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 Bowley wants them because he's a weird man-child and saw that Arsenal wanted him and decided that, well, oh, well, Arteta wants him, so he must be good, it, it, so I'm going to have no, him instead. There's no thought in my mind that they've come in or there's a, scout at, there's a scout at Chelsea that's thought, we need to get Mudrick before Arsenal do. It's not that, no player is that player where, you know, there's going to be that argument of we need him over him that team we need to make sure we get him no yeah. no not at all i don't know if you're... Says, and... sorry go, go on. On. no you go I was, I was just gonna say it was uh it's not the man it's just not the manager that's gonna be like coming in with his foot down get me mudrick of course he's not gonna be like that yeah and i don't know if you remember but it was after the first southampton encounter when i think southampton you know beat them when when tuchel was still a manager oh, yeah. and allegedly after that match uh, chelsea submitted a bid for lavia purely based on you know who, who only just this season moved from city's academy to that's to southampton that's just a sort of knee-jerk scattergun approach this owner yeah. this mentalist take, owner is take deploying. that take that player off them you know it's it's that's kind of the attitude it is it's not football manager can't just go and throw money and then that player will be like okay yeah i'm gonna i'll, I'll come to you yeah, yeah. It's, just, it's just so odd. P- people trying to say, um, Mo, calling you out, uh, people trying to say that, you know, like, oh, because we'll get to the striker issue in a moment, going, oh, you know, it's, it's his fault he didn't have a striker, he should have just gone and signed one. You can just see the way that they dealt with the Aubameyang situation uh, as evidence of, of like how incompetent these owners are and the fact that it's clear, clearly them calling the shots. Like he, they, they get and how incompetent they are. They bring in Aubameyang, the idea being that he's going to be for Tuchel and then he plays like one game under Tuchel and then Tuchel sacks. Yeah. And then you've got Aubameyang yeah. just chilling there who's got like a yeah. myriad of attitude problems. With, with te- you've got 10 games left, right? Fair, for me, what would have been a fair amount would be, right? Because 10 matches left, finish the season... See where you finish, and then you speak with the manager and you go, right, okay, that was poor. We need to be better. What what idea have you got? And whatnot. And if if you're not happy that you can't see a future with him, then you sack him. Or then you move on and then you see what else is available. Turn up with ten games left. 
Mm. Take, we take games left. You bet. That to me is you have admitted you've got you've thrown in the towel for the season. And okay, we'll just bring someone else in, and we'll just so he can get to know the players before next season. That that to me is the attitude that they've gone with there. Yeah, it just makes no sense at all. And they spent they've wasted so much money on yeah. signing him from Brighton and then sacking him. I, th- I think you told me it was around sixty yeah, million. Sixteen total, I think it is. Yeah, could have bought a striker for that or yeah. whatever. Yeah. And. Yeah, it's just this really like this fake idea of oh, but you know, bowling. Oh, I'm going to come in. It's not going to be like old Chelsea. We're going to have a long term project and a long term strategy. Worse, it's worse than a bowling. Yeah, it's Chelsea, like really. two managers sacked in like the space of like you know six or eight months or how, however long it's been. It's just obscene and 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 just petty and childish uh, from them. And I do have a lot of sympathy for Graham Potter because um, I, I know a lot of Chelsea fans, you know. Uh, on Twitter, you know, I'm just basing this off Twitter to be fair. Um, you know, going, oh, you know, we want Potter out and blah, blah, blah. it's like they've been used to a lot of short term yeah. success, but the whole point was that this is going to be a long term thing. Potter was never going to come in and with an out- incredibly bloated squad and like 600 million pounds worth of players, he was never going to be Im- immediately going to make that all work in, in the space of like a, a season. Because not only is he not that sort of manager, look at Brighton, it took him a, a year or two to turn Brighton from a relegation threat and sign to one in the top half of the table. So he's, he's never going to do that for a start. But also, that's a, that would be an almost impossible task for nearly well, any manager in the world. I don't think any manager could go to Chelsea right now. Well, obviously not right now, because the 10 games left, but couldn't go to Chelsea after spending stupid amounts of money and win everything, which is kind of what's in Billy's brain. Win everything. Yeah. I'll, give you, I'll give you a billion pound squad. Go and win everything. No, it doesn't yeah. work like that. It's it's just just bizarre. He should have been given more time, uh, based on common sense and also based on their apparent new uh, philosophy and strategy. Um, based on what we've seen at Brighton, where if you give him two, three, four years, he will achieve very good things. Deserby's a very good manager, and he's doing very good yeah. work this season. But he didn't do that himself, did he? Who built yeah. the foundation? Oh. And and at Brighton, right? If you if you tell any Brighton fan right, you've got you'll have a team where it's, you've got a stable top half Premier League finish. They'll take that, of course you will. You know, like oh that'd be interesting because we could push European football. Yeah, that's that's that to them is overachieving, and that is what that's what Potter's done. And now Potter has got the opportunity to go and do more. And you've basically gone to well, we said didn't we? We actually said anyone but Chelsea mm-hmm. because Chelsea will destroy him. And, and what a surprise. We were right surprise, again. We were right. This podcast is facts. <laughs> we only go out with facts. The only, yeah, we go out with facts. And I can, can I also add, uh, unrelated, yeah. but I was right about Armouron because he's done fuck all since. Exactly. He had a purple <laughs> he's patch. He's a fraud. I was perfect. <laughs> yes. This podcast speaks nothing but facts. Exactly. Nothing but from, from the knobcast. Yes. Yeah, so it's just really annoying and people will look at the short-term form and yeah it wasn't it wasn't acceptable obviously but i'm sorry let's take like we, we can like look at that that aston villa game in isolation is a perf where they lost 2-0 at home very bad but that's a perfect description of what potter was like having to work with at chelsea mudrick is one-on-one he scores that i tell you what potter's not sacked i, I guarantee you that if he yeah. scores that if Mudrick didn't score, give a basically do a back pass mm. back to the keeper, and Cucurella decided I'm a fucking nut job and goes running around and jumping in front of Kulabale, it could have been a different outcome. It's clearly just 
idiotic players who, who are just taking matters into their own hands. You know, Potter signed Cucurella for Brighton, and he was great. So why is he, why is he just randomly off the rails at Chelsea? It, it's, it's odd. Potter's just going to change his whole managerial tactics and stuff. I just, I just don't get it. Yeah, I know that you know lots of people like to underplay you know stats and XG and stuff, but it is very important because like I think uh, it was something mental like Potter's Chelsea scored twelve goals from an XG of like twenty four, so uh, so they, they should have scored like around twice as many as yeah. they actually did. Yeah. And why is that, Gasky? Why is that? Right. Well, what what does it come? Where does it come from? The XG has come from the tactics, and where do the tactics come from? Yes, and the who, manager. And who isn't finishing those chances? Oh yeah, Kai Havertz. Havertz and and Raheem Mudrick. Sterling and Mudrick. Mudrick and Sterling. Yeah, as much and... as I love Sterling, he's literally renowned for missing sitters and not converting chances. Mudrick as, seems to be that player yeah. too. Let's be fair. At, at City, they, again, at City they were creating so many chances, and he was getting the goals because he kept you know creating them. Yeah, but it's yeah, almost but as they, if. You need a it's striker. Incompetence. And, and you watch, I think I was, I was watching the um, Chelsea Villa game and Havertz just stands about and half arsely kicks the ball at the goal. If you don't want to be there, don't be there. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it's just, it's annoying because I'm so convinced we've, that the evidence points to if you give Potter time in the first instance, he will succeed. E exhibit A, Brighton. Um, Add on, I mean, he wasn't even given a proper striker, a, a st proper striker at Brighton either. And yet, actually, before he was, uh, before he moved on to Chelsea this season, he left Brighton in fourth in the table, and they were actually overperforming on their XG. They're currently underperforming it now under Deserby. But at so Potter, it was clearly working after after you give him enough time. Now, and remember, who was he working with? Glenn Murray and Morpe and Welbeck, who's injured half the time and isn't that good anyway. Um, and who, so not an actual striker. Who is he working with now? We've said it. It's it's uh, Felix who is good, but he still misses a lot of sitters for a player but, of his quality. Again, again, he's not a striker. He's not a number nine. He's not clinical. He's not a striker. The mm -hmm. only striker they've got at the club is Aubameyang, who clearly he's got mental issues or something's going on with and him. And he's washed as well. Let's be honest. Yeah, a dusty absolutely player. washed. Yeah. yeah. So give um totally. Give him Give him Glenn Murray. Do you know what I mean? Even if you gave him, even if you gave him Glenn Murray or Danny Welbeck, at least he'd have a pitted striker. Yeah, it's just, and this is this is why so, it's, it's so unfair to me. I don't. People uh, are overlooking all of the hard, that the, the almost impossible situation that, that he was in, um, in in terms of the mental yeah. owner and and people that say, oh, but he had X amount of money to spend. That doesn't necessarily equate to immediate well, results. This is this is well, this is the problem. Oh, it's, young. it's like. But also, it's like you're saying, right, oh, but you've spent this much and they've done this bad. But they're not his players. It, they, he's not picked these. He's been, he's, he's been given, he's been just been thrown these players and just gone, right, go on, get, yeah. us, get us Champions League football or whatever. But mm -hmm. no, you've not given him his players, so. It's very frustrating. He was never, if you want a short-term manager, then don't get Graham Potter. Go and get no. Conte or Mourinho or whoever. It's just... I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if they went for Graham Potter just to take him off Brighton. Can you imagine? <laughs> but you know, just... you know what's so funny? Like I've seen like Chelsea, some Chelsea fans again. I'm using Twitter, so maybe that's Twitter not fans. fair. But some of them are saying, "Oh yeah, get someone like you know Thomas Frank who can like build a team." You've just that got Graham funny. Potter. Graham Potter is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if he was given. <laughs>
But, but okay, let's go, let's go to the next step. Next manager for Chelsea. Now they're going, oh, Nagelsmann. The same type of manager. Mm-hmm. A project long-term manager. He's not good enough. <laughs> so also, it's, also, it's... if you are Nagelsmann or whoever, or, you know, Enrique, why would you want to come to Chelsea? Because you've just seen what they've done. Isn't it? Any manager that goes to Chelsea, they have to know you're staying for a year. So that's the Graham Potter situation. Uh, apologies, we had a lot more to say about Graham Potter, but we've been having a lot of technical issues, and you can probably tell by uh, Gasky's face. Uh, I was going to say, we've gone from starting where it's like nice and bright. You'd think it's, it took a whole day. <laughs> exactly. That's, that's actually how long it's been we've been messing around with these uh, issues for however long. But there we go. That's the Graham Potter situation. Suffice to say, we both think it's a very stupid situation all round. But we are going to end with some viewer questions. Knob Gas, uh, one of, if not my favorite section of the entire podcast. Thank you guys for submitting your questions. Uh, if you want to get involved in this, you can do so by signing up to the old Patreon. Link is in the video description. We'll start with Miz and just uh, on Potter. Will Potter become a manager at another club? And if so, where? Hmm. Uh, you, you think he will? He'll get. He'll get somewhere else. Uh, where is? Not sure. I mean, Tottenham, maybe. But I don't know. So there's only team available, really, isn't it? Tottenham. I think that might so... actually be a perfect appointment. To be well, fair, Tottenham are trying to get that type of manager in. They're trying to get someone who can build you know a, a team rather than imme- expect immediate success with millions yeah and yeah i think potter will probably be a better fit there than chelsea so that would probably make more sense yeah definitely um I, i'd love it if he came to england and you know oh i would i would love him to take over from southgate yeah uh, could... sadly southgate's got a new contract so oh has that been confirmed i think he's got until at least the euros i think it was right okay yeah so, so you'll have to wait for it if you yeah, want to i i will i you know i'm south i'm still southgate in but due to what the, all the goods but i do still think there are key issues there and i do think that potter yeah. would be a better choice but that's the thing uh pim asks how have there been 12 sackings but david moyes isn't one of them there might it's even be question. 13 sackings now it's a good yeah it's a good question uh i don't know it's a good answer to that one because I'd say he, I thought even when we were probably on four seconds or five seconds this season, he was, I think Edwin is next after Lampard, to be honest. So, mm. God, yeah, God, I, that was this season. I forgot Lampard that was, yeah, was Everton manager. That was this season, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long one, I feel like. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, you know, uh, I do think West Ham are, have enough quality to stay up. I think they will be fine. But, but you um, shouldn't have, yeah, the issues you shouldn't be having this conversation. It, yeah, yeah, exactly. They shouldn't be that's, in a relegation fight. Issue, isn't it? Yeah. And maybe it's because they're also in Europe and have, don't have the squad. I don't know. But yeah, I'm surprised. Yeah, I'm surprised it. he's lasted this long. Maybe Graham Potter should go to West Ham. That would be another really good appointment. Uh, I think. Well, let's put it this way. Right? If you've got 60 million out of Chelsea, then I'm pretty sure you could deal with maybe a West Ham level. Mm-hmm. West Ham, you never know, West Ham level could be perfect for him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Jack asks, who's the best under-21 player in the league and why is it Lavia, the Southampton midfielder? So that's a big statement. It's uh, a loaded question. Oh, this, this is the part where I'd name players and they're not even under-21. Uh, I mean, Foden's still under-21, isn't he? Nah, I think he's 22. Is I, he not, not now? Jesus Christ. I think Saka um, is. I think Saka's 21. I would say, yeah, I think Saka's the obvious candidate. Then you've got up-and-coming that Evan Ferguson's one to watch. At Brighton, mm-hmm. which again shows Brighton's uh, academy is fantastic. Yeah, and recruitment, uh, and then Lavia. Lavia is amazing as well. So he'll he'll make a big move at some point. 
Yeah, I think City, I know City have a buyback option of like 40 million, but I don't think that that doesn't kick in oh, until next is, season. Yeah, and also I think this is another of how far ahead City are. He isn't good. I don't think he'll ever be good enough for City, but he'll be a good player, but City are just another level. Whereas I don't think he'll ever be that level of player. But not not to say that Tottenham or, you know, or Newcastle, for example, who are up and coming can bring him in, you know. But you never know. You never definitely know. Definitely there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And if Southampton go down, he's definitely got to go somewhere, hasn't he? Oh, exactly. Yeah, so. uh, and then finally, Will. It's a very, very big question here. Uh, Will, who's a Borough fan, who asks, if West Ham slash Leicester go down and struggle financially like Sunderland have done uh, due to the massive reduction in revenue they'll face, etc. Should the Football League slash footballing pyramid be responsible to help uh, those sorts of big clubs or should they just let them die, i.e. bury? Uh, mm. So it's an interesting one because, well, the, the whole situation with Bury was... They were, they were allowed to be bought by someone who had no interest in the sport, just wanted to get himself out of a pickle. Mm. And that's the problem. The difference is West Ham and Leicester have been huge investments from people. And where do you draw the line? They've bought, they've bought the club. They're invested in the club. And at one point, do they decide enough's enough, we've took a loss, sell the club? Or are they just going to let the club, oh, we, there's no point in selling the club now, we just, we'll just deal with what we've got and save money and whatever. It's where you draw the line. Like, it needs like a regulator or someone to come in and actually any big takeovers of clubs needs to be checked to make sure this person actually wants, for footballing reasons, to own this club. That's the priority. That's the problem. Like, Barry had was this guy's come in, gone, okay, sort basically take money out of the club and then walk away when they go bust. And that's the problem. You need to avoid them situations where they're not going to come in and go, oh, they'll make, they'll make plenty of money for me. And then just let the club, like look United in a billion pounds worth of debt nearly. Mm-hmm. And that's over 20 years or however long it's been. And that's clearly they, I'm sorry, but if you're having to borrow money to buy a team, that's where, that's the first, that's to me, that's the first sign of wait a second, need to look into this because why would, why would you go and try and buy biggest club in the, one of the biggest clubs in the world if you need to take a loan? Yeah. So I think it's a, it's a tricky one. I don't think it's as simple as, oh yeah, just, give them loads of money because if you do that then there's a risk that clubs will sort of become not like dependent on it but they will sort of there won't even be an effort from the owners to worry about keeping the club uh, afloat because they'll just be like oh i'll just rely on the payments that that i'm gonna get yeah go and spend go and spend that much in the transfer window because we'll get saved anyway so you don't want that kind of yeah, so there's got to be yeah. some accountability, uh, but at the same time, you can't just let them die like like Barry. So yeah. I, I, I but but the Barry one was weird because I mean, yeah, the owner never should have been the owner, but that was just like mismanaged totally. Like I think City at one point tried to help them; they gave them because Barry didn't have a training ground or something. So City let them train at their like a I think at their academy ground or whatever, and the only rule was uh, just keep it clean, keep it tidy, keep it you know in good order, and they didn't. So City were like, well. You couldn't even do that, so now we're going to have to kick you out. And that's, you know, and, and that's due to the poor running of, of that club. So, yeah, I, I, I think rather than it being sort of like a the football pyramid has to make sure everyone's fine, I think it's more to do with like we need more of a a, a prevention rather than a reaction 
and that is done yeah. by getting an independent regulator yeah. in who can so for example the glazers never should have been allowed to buy man united no. ever um and there are loads of other uh situations where like owners clearly should never have been in that position before yeah because if if you're buying a, if a football club's getting bought and let's be this put it this way they're not not many people are going to go and here's x amount of million pounds you now own the club like a purchase there's going to be like loans involved and stuff there usually is but there's got to be understanding of right are you how long until you actually pay this back how long is it going to be until this is sorted out not okay, we're going to borrow, I think the Glazers borrow like 300-odd million, and now you owe a billion. How, you know, how can that be allowed to happen? That, you know, these, these situations can't keep, these ha- happen. United are lucky that they're the size they are. Or they would be, you know, if you, if you were to shrink down the size of the club, that club would be gone by now. Yeah. So it, it just needs to be avoided in future of anything like that happening. It's like with Leicester and West Ham, like they're owned... You know, like, Leicester's owners are very good owners. I, mean, I don't know what happened with the transfer window, but, you know, the way that they've treated the fans and things have been treated have been fantastic. But what's to say if they do get relegated that they're just going to go, right, we'll sell, we'll sell the club, we're not investing in anything now, we're going to look at selling. And then, at least then, you know, they're going to get out of it and you're going to get another owner in. But you, you got to make sure that other owner's not going to go, I've got a loan out of £100 million to help me here. Mm. And then they end up getting the team more in debt. That's, that's like saying, that's why you need the regulators to make sure that doesn't happen. Yeah, and and also it's it's not it's, it's it is obviously very tricky to run a football club, but it's not like it's um impossible for l- lesser smaller clubs yeah. to you know do well in the Premier League. I mean, very good examples are you know like Brighton and Brentford that they're not known for you know generating loads of revenue, yeah. but they are very well run and they are very astute. So it is possible. even even teams that even teams that do the whole yo-yo of up and down. They've obviously run well to have that achievement of like Norwich, you know, of going up and down. Don't invest heavily, but they're clearly up there because they're not vanishing away, like happened with Southampton and Sunderland. Mm. And they they run well in a certain a certain regard. The footballing side is crap, obviously, but the actual running of the club is good. And yeah. that's yeah, exactly. But like, let's be fair, right? Football, you don't make money in a football club. There's no, no way because if if the biggest club in the world, United, is worth six billion, and one of your assets you've signed is a hundred million, that's a very high percentage for one asset of a of a business. Not a chance you're making money. You're not. So he's got the only reason you don't to buy a club is for footballing purposes. Whereas a lot of owners are coming in and to make to make a quick million. Mm-hmm. So and that's that's what needs to be avoided. Definitely, uh, definitely. Uh, I was going to say what, one more thing about it. What was I going to say? It was going to be wise and brilliant, probably. Can't be that wise. <laughs> uh, um, about the responsibility of the clubs, was it? Was it something like that? There's just got to be. Oh, that's what I was going to say. Maybe you know, we've we've all we've already got you know FFP, and whether you like it or not, it's it's a thing. Maybe the solution is to do what they've done in La Liga with, um, you know, with the salary cap and, uh, how, yeah. how, you know, and like uh, the, the league saying from the off, right, this is actually how much you can spend in a season. And people can, you know, complain about, oh, you know. Well, it's, yeah, it's a, yeah, because that's, that's a fair way to go about it because then you get to see who's actually not run well. Like Valencia in a relegation battle. Malaga, who were in the Champions League not like ten years ago, are now looking at going into the third division. Do you know, it's it shows that you know just having unlimited funds can end in tears mm. of, of, of other leagues. But it does need some kind of limitations because 
you get to a point when, like with United, they were signing players on stupid salaries, and then you end up in a situation that goes, I should be earning that much, and then you're stuck, and then players are getting paid stupid money, and then that ends up spreading across other leagues. Mm-hmm. It does need some kind of, like, limitation. Yeah, but it's, it's, it's always going to be a tricky one because you can sort out your own domestic league, but then are you handicapping yourself on the international stage because then you can't yeah. compete with everyone else? It's a tricky one. Uh, that's for sure. I don't think there's an easy answer. But hey, that we're not in that position. That's not our problem. Yeah. But yeah, <laughs> long and short, there's got to be some sort of regulator. Yeah. 100%. Um, because you don't want a club to die. I mean, I guess if, if a club's going to die, they could always nationalise it. That's what they did with... Um, uh, that's what they did in the 2008 financial crisis when like the banks went bust. They just nationalised and saved it. Maybe they should nationalise Berry, and Berry can be owned by the government. I don't know. Anyway. Guys, the shitty voting system in the start. <laughs> merge, God's sake, merge. Oh, the Barry. I might, might need to do a might need, might need to do a YouTube video on Barry because it's all been kicking off behind the scenes. Um, it has. It might be an interesting topic. Um, very quickly, Gasky, Arsenal versus Liverpool is uh, probably the most interesting match for uh, upcoming fixtures before the next podcast. Yeah. If Arsenal win at Anfield, I think they win the league. I would, yes. I think we're, we're in we're in the end game now. And um, sorry, Doctor Strange. <laughs> and um, where these games now, these no matter how bad Liverpool are playing, when you're in a when it's a big match, it's, it can be different. And going to Emirates is it Emirates Anfield? Anfield. Oh, you. Oh, I'm reading the notes and you put after Liverpool. <laughs> Confused me. Oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, if if Arsenal win that, I think. They're, that they're, they're done, I think. I don't think they're going to slip up heavily enough for uh, City to catch them. Uh, I mean, and also having Chelsea play Liverpool midweek only as well, which is obviously not mm-hmm. related to this. But, Mid-table you know, battle. That could, that, yeah, Liverpool winning that could push on, you never know. But, yeah, I think that game, if I, th- I think Liverpool winning will be interesting because the City-Arsenal game, is, is it the end of the month? I think so, yeah. So the, it could be spicy. It could get that game could be one game, one mm-hmm. match. It, it could be, and that's where it'll get interesting. So yeah, City definitely have yeah. to win that one. That's that's a must-win so game. That's a must-win game for City, and also City just need to hope that yeah another team. If can Arsenal help draw out. once, it goes down to goal difference. Assuming City win that game, it goes down to goal difference. All uh, right, okay, and obviously City have to win every match still, but that, yeah, yeah. we already know City have to win every game. I think City will have to win every game now to win the league. Definitely. I agree. Yeah. Unless Arsenal capitulate, but I can't. Unless, really uh, yeah, unless them. somehow they have another one of them weeks. That one week they had where it just went wrong. Mm-hmm. Indeed, but, yeah. indeed. Uh, but we shall see what we see. Uh, thank you so much for sticking with us, uh, despite all the technical issues, which we've hopefully ironed out. But we shall see. Thank you, uh, Doctor Google. <laughs> indeed, uh, Gasky, you've been Gasky, haven't you? I have been, as always. Wonderful stuff. Uh, Nobbins has been Nobbins. And we will see you guys next time. I really hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. Spread the word, spread the pod, and we'll see you next time. Goodbye.